Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show episode 23. This show is going to be a little bit different. Why you may ask? Well, I am not joined by my co-host Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just Win. We had scheduling conflicts. Then earlier today we had technology difficulties, but you know what? You still got a show for this week. So we're having a little bit of a solo sode with just me. MMA state of mind. Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man, the early riser. We're getting this done. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna quick review Rio Ranchero and the bloodbath that was for us. Uh, one quick bit of news that has come out about an upcoming title fight, and then going over the main card for UFC Auckland. The first time the UFC is coming back to New Zealand since. 2017 when Mark Hunt fought Derek Lewis and honestly I was looking over that fight card and let's just say there was a lot bigger names on that one including in the first fight of the main card a nowhere near contender Alexander Volkanovsky defeating Mizuto Hirota by unanimous decision but that's beside the point we got we got to go with the Rio Ranchero first and we also have the results of our poll that we put up on the Twitter account uh, at MMA4Money uh, the main Twitter handle that puts out all of the wonderful content. We had a a poll, a poll going up there to figure out uh, how you guys all felt about the Diego Sanchez DQ situation. But a quick run through of the results. Uh, I will stop on a few and put in a little bit more information. Not not a ton because uh, I want to be able to get to Auckland for you people. But first fight of the night. Rulian Pava defeats Mark De La Rosa by KOTKO at 442 of round two. Macy Chazan defeats Shana Young by unanimous decision. Marib Davishvili defeats Casey Kinney by unanimous decision. It was a steal at his price. It was one of the leans we had uh, for that fight card. Didn't him going with it, but honestly, that was a great bet on that card. Kudos to those who went with the lean and made money on it. Scott Holtzman defeated Jim Miller by unanimous decision. The battle of the 236-year-old, the one with a little bit less wear and tear, pulled it off. Mr. Hot Sauce. Derek Clark defeats Daquan Townsend by unanimous decision. I do not remember if it was pre-show or during the show, but me and Mike had commented that Devin Clark by decision was a very, very safe bet on that card. Now, this is where things get bumpy and start to get bumpy for us that night. John Donson, the one-time title challenger at 125 here up at Bantamweight, was clearly losing the entire fight. Absolutely. Clear as day. Nathaniel Wood was doing amazing, doing what we thought he would do. Uh, This was Mike's bet on the card, but you know what? I ended up betting it too because I liked the take so much. We had it at 1.6 units to win one unit at the minus 160 for Nathaniel Wood. And you know what? He was putting it to him. He was putting it to John Dotson, doing everything he needed to do. And then in the third round, he got himself knocked out. 16 seconds, round three. Man, that one hurt because we called it exactly how it was going down until that happened. John Dodson hadn't got a finish in a few years at that point. Had slowed down considerably. This was prime for Nathaniel Wood to make a big splash, and he did, just not in the way we had hoped for. Uh, The next fight, Daniel Rodriguez. If you don't know that name, don't worry about it. Not too many people did. You know the name of the guy he defeated. He beat Tim Means by second round submission at 337. Uh, guillotine choke. Tim Means just looked awful, man. Uh, the, the, so many, including myself, I didn't bet on this fight. He was a huge uh, favorite, but seemed like a clear setup fight for him to get a win in his hometown. 
longtime Albuquerque resident. Uh, never was at Jackson's, but it was at the, always at the competing gym there in Albuquerque. And man, he just got himself dusted. So apparently Tim Means, the Dirty Bird, is further down the hill than many anticipated, especially in this fight, to lose to someone like Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, I might be biting my tongue later, and Daniel Rodriguez ends up being quite the stud down the line, but I do not think he's there now. Um, Lando Venata. Sorry, I need to pause on Lando Venata. I'm still shocked at that fight, mainly because... I thought it was going to be a little bit of a war. I did. Uh, I thought Yancey Medeiros was going to bring it. I thought he was going to be able to push forward more, deal with Lena Venata's spitting attacks that don't necessarily have any rhyme or reasons, but also doesn't have much volume to it, especially because Lena Venata, it almost seems that he has tapered back his commitment on fighting. Um, he's one of the few pros that isn't at the Jackson Wink gym the main one with all the pros. He's at the secondary location of just like everyday Joes, like the side that actually makes the money uh, for the fight gym. But hey, man, he pulled it off here, so kudos. Uh, Ray Borg defeats Rogerio Bontarin in a fight that proves really strong wrestling can handle plain jujitsu almost every time, especially if there's some scrambling ability in there. Um, Borg missed weight by. Well, technically two pounds over the limit, but three pounds over uh, the 125. He has missed weight at 135, 125, a little more consistent at 135. And uh, everyone's uh, sharing a tweet that Borg sent out the last time he missed weight that said the next time he misses weight, he is going to retire from MMA. Yeah, I, don't, I also do not think that is going to happen. But th- this fight showed exactly how good he was and could be. Even if he consistently make 125, I mean, he was a contender. Uh, crazy stuff happening in his personal life, car wrecks, uh, kid health issues. He He's never reached that full potential, and I'm not sure what it would take for uh, him to get there. But you know what? I'm, I also heard that a thing went out that you cannot rank him at 125, which makes sense. He didn't make it for this fight and hasn't made it in a minute. But, I don't know, he has, he has to commit to bantamweight, but his style fits so much better for flyweight. He's not going to be able to outmuscle uh, fighters the same way at bantamweight, and that's the reason he's, I think, always tried to stick with 125. So I do not know what the issue is, especially with sometimes how he seems to be able to make it with no issue, and other times be three pounds off. Um, now, the next fight on UFC ESPN 25, Rio Ranchero was our first disqualification of the night. And yes, first implies there is more than one. Yes, we had two on this fight card. Brock Weaver wins after Rodrigo Vargas got disqualified in round one after throwing a blatant illegal knee as Weaver was laying on the ground. So you know what? The guy, the prospect that everyone who is super high on that was like the minus 250 favorite gets the win, just not in any conceivable way anybody thought he would. Um, don't have much to say about this other than just how blatant the the, the blow was. Um yeah, there's that. Um, uh, Montana De La Rosa made up for her husband's loss earlier in the night, and she won the unanimous decision after uh, Barella. And then the co-main event was our second disqualification. <laughs> Diego Sanchez defeats uh, Michelle Pereira, Mr. Jumping Around, King of Spinning Stuff, on the walkout in the fight. He actually was a little bit uh, tapered down in that regard, which I really appreciated. It showed a little bit of maturity in his fight game. Man, he was just so much bigger than Diego. I know they were quote-unquote fighting in the same weight class, but Diego Sanchez was on a mission to prove that fighting at your natural weight class with no weight cutting, you can prove that you're a better fighter, and he was all about longevity, and he has his guru that's having him focus life energies and giving him terrible corner advice. But Pereira was just so much bigger, so much stronger, faster, all of it. Uh, The size thing with not cutting weight, I do agree uh, in some regard, but that usually has to do with you still have your speed. So you have your speed, 
Uh, your chin is better because you're not as dehydrated going into said fight. So you can handle a better shot. You're faster. Uh, if you're more skilled and you're faster and you could take a better shot, these are the times that you could win. Well, Diego's slower. Slow as he's ever been. He can't take a shot anymore. Although he took a, quite a bit uh, in the early goings, but he was getting beat from pillar to post. And then in the third round, there was the knee disqualification um, Michel Pereira threw when Diego was a downed opponent. Now, he got taken away by the ref, Diego did, uh, and after talking about it, Diego had mentioned that he couldn't see. Well, you say that, that's going to be a, a disqualification, but there there was a little bit of hampering back and forth and kind of leading the witness, if you will, but so he basically knew he would get the DQ win, and uh, going into this fight, Sanchez had renegotiated his contract, so he was making 100K, 100K. So just by getting the DQ in a fight that he was very likely going to lose, I don't even think he thought he won either of the first two rounds. I don't think he thought he was going to get the finish in the third round. So by claiming disqualification, he doubles his money and gets 200K as opposed to the 100K. Now, our poll that we put out on Twitter, I want to pull it up because I want to read it to you verbatim because it's putting you in the view of Diego Sanchez because, well, first of all, you got to get in the right state of mind for Diego Sanchez. But uh, the poll was, you are Diego Sanchez. Do you take the DQ win or do you gut it out? And you know what? 100% of you that went for that said you're taking the DQ and you're getting the other 100K. I wanted to include the 100K in there because I, we all know that was on Diego Sanchez's mind in that fight. So, I'm sorry, I would do it. I'm not, I guess I'm not a blood and guts fighter. But partly that's why I'm not in the cage and why I'm talking on a microphone. But uh, at this point in his career, after so many times going the distance, taking the extra damage, so many people turned on Diego. I'm like, I, I'm sorry, anybody in that circumstance, your money's getting doubled. It's not even getting doubled from like 10 to 20K. You get an extra 100 grand to take the DQ of something that actually happened in the fight. Prayer should be the one in trouble for throwing, throwing the knee. I'm, I'm sorry at that point. It's, like it's an illegal strike. At some point, it's got to be taken out of the hands of the fighter so people can't pile on them after the fact. Now, though, we're going on to the main event where the real bloodbath happened. Uh, this one is 100% on me uh, for this podcast. There was plenty of other people in my same wave, wavelength, but uh, they aren't committed to this podcast in the way that we are for you. So Jan Blockowitz defeats Corey Anderson by first round KO. I'm going to say it was a KO because Anderson was out. He did do the follow-up hammer fist, but Anderson was out. Anderson went pretty much straight forward at him and didn't do any of the things that we thought he should do. Apparently, after the Johnny Walker fight, he fashions himself a finisher and wanted to go after Jan Blockowitz, but Jan Blockowitz sits down in his punches and hit him flush. So all of the defense that Anderson had gotten better at, all the footwork, all of the keeping you at range, the incorporating the wrestling, playing a smart game plan, he didn't actually get to do any of it, and he found himself knocked out by Jan Blockowitz, who immediately goes to the cage looking for John Jones. He knows he's there, points at him, tries to get that shot. John Jones seems super pumped. And who knows, maybe he just stole the immediate rematch for Dominic Reyes. We won't know that for a minute. But at least in terms of title fights, I actually want to quick move on from Rio Ranchero and talk about a title fight that just got announced within the last hour or two, at least what has made a, been made official. So we have the next opponent. I'll put that in parentheses. No offense to the rest of the division, but at this point it's in parentheses. Valentina Shevchenko is defending her 125-pound title at UFC 251 on June 6th versus JoJo Calderwood. That's right. Bad mofo JoJo, Dr. Neville, uh, long-time... F uh, friend to this podcast and uh the patriarch of said podcast she's gonna fight valentina shevchenko and i don't see it going well for her i mean i do think actually she has a better chance than just i did um 
and she does have more power and finishing ability than uh, Caitlin Ch- uh, than Chukagian. So I guess she got that there. So I don't think she should be as big of a dog as that when the line does get dropped. But that is the fight that is happening. Now, quickly before I move on to UFC Auckland, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, what happened at the Daytona 500. Uh, and with the three big wins in a row by Mr. Primetime himself, MMA for Money, the namesake of this podcast of the website where we are hosted. He got three big wins, and then also going on with the Daytona 500 was the huge car wreck. And, um, man, I actually I just watched the rewatched the video before recording because originally uh, – Prime was going to be on here and we were going to talk about it. I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. The Ryan Newman car accident was just, oh man, was it vicious. Uh, I'm surprised he's not, because they said that he's still in some pretty severe condition, but not life-threatening. You just got to like drop your jaw at stuff like that. That is beyond insane uh, how that has happened. And man, I just... Sorry, we're watching that video. It looks like it's straight out of a movie. Like they designed it that way. And only in a movie would the guy be able to live after that. And he is. But, I mean, we've had a couple of crazy car wrecks this year, whether it be Daytona or Boxers Driving, that you are utterly shocked that someone actually walked away and survived that. Actually, speaking of boxing, we were going to get into this and actually have a special episode for Wilder Fury 2 because, one, it's such a big fight. Two, both men have kind of intertwined with MMA in a way, whether it be Joe Rogan's podcast or training with UFC fighters or even uh, I saw recent promotional material that even uh, uh, Conor McGregor's Proper 12 is sponsoring the fight. Um, Man, I've I've watched the first fight. I'm not a boxing head whatsoever. We were actually going to have Mike, my normal co-host. He was going to go into it a little bit deeper um, because he's much more a boxing head than I am. I'm almost exclusively MMA. The extent of what I know in boxing is the aspects of it that's in MMA, and I've found that I am a terrible judge of even who wins fights um, in boxing because of my really only knowing the MMA rule sets, but my two cents on this, since we were going to cover it, but I at least got to throw in my two cents because it's such a big fight, is I'm going uh, Deontay Wilder because of how much better he's done in rematches, and that's a type of fighter. I mean, yes, this is me leaning on my MMA knowledge, but there's a fighter that is just better in rematches. They always are, and in this case, it's Deontay Wilder. Uh, every time he's had a rematch, he's done better, whether it be getting a finish where he didn't initially or finishing faster. Um, kudos to Tyson Fury for getting up from the last time he was laid out, but 12 rounds is a long time. I don't think him putting on size and coming in close, um, I don't like what I've heard about him changing up trainers. Like It's just a lot of red flags. So gun to the head, I'm going to pick Deontay Wilder. Do not go and take that advice for betting from me. Um, we will link you to any number of better betters at boxing. There's plenty of them on Twitter. Fairly noteworthy ones, but that's at least my two cents. Now, going into UFC Auckland, I, I just first, I want to read what you, the UFC Fight Night Lewis vs. Hunt. So the last time they were in New Zealand, I want to read to you just the main card. I mean, lower on the card, you had some halfway decent names, but just, like, the main card. Just This is strictly on name value, okay, before we get into this one, because you'll see the difference. And This is during the Fox era. This was on Fox Sports 1, and the first fight of the main card was Alexander Volkanovsky, local guy, still getting started. He wasn't a big deal yet, versus Mizuto Hirota, decent-sized name for the weight class. Then flyweights, you had Ben Nguyen, versus Tim Elliott, and uh, at that time, uh, Tim Elliott was fairly fresh off his um, flyweight title challenge, uh, I believe. Ben Wynn was a decent name at that point. Light heavyweight Ion Kudalaba versus uh, Henrique Da Silva, decent names, which was going to be a firefight, and it was, and in the first round, Dan Hooker, who, hey, he's back. This was one of his earlier fights at 
lightweight uh, after he had come up from featherweight. This was him defeating Ross Pearson in the second round via knee on Ross Pearson's major downtrend. Uh, the co-main event was Derek Brunson uh, defeating local hero, well, Australian hero, Dan Kelly in the first round as Derek Brunson is prone to do. And actually Mark Hunt getting late TKO fourth round versus Derek Lewis. Now, I just wanted to bring that up because as we go through the main event, I'm sorry, the main card for UFC Auckland, you're going to see a little bit difference when it comes to the names that we are talking about. So the first fight I want to go over is, I pardon myself for the names ahead of time. You know, I am not a savant at said things, but I, I think I'm getting better. So let me just prepare myself. Okay, so Magomed Mustafayev nailed it. He is uh he's 14 and 3. This is in the lightweight division for those who do not know. Um he is fighting Brad Riddle. He is 7 and 1. He fights at City Kickboxing with all the rising stars of New Zealand, uh, middleweight champ, featherweight champ, all those people. They were the ones that got him into the UFC and uh, on the last Aussie card he fought to a blood and guts decision that he he ended up winning, but it was a bit of a firefight, and he really put himself in there, and it was a little bit of a bloody mess. I really like Magomed Mustafaev here. Now, Mustafaev is a minus 140 to Brad Riddle's plus 120. Actually, I'm quick double-check, because those odds I have there are from yesterday. Okay, so actually, Magomed Mustafaev uh, has gone down to minus 135 to uh Brad Riddle's plus 115, and that is actually going to be my bet on this card is Magomed Mustafaev because I think Brad Riddle is going to abs or Riddell is going to absolutely be okay having a firefight. He's going to go in there, and you know what? Who is aggressive and who throws some serious heat and has a lot more power? but also has a little bit of edge in the grappling, and at least in my opinion, is Magomed Mustafaev. I can see him absolutely lighting Brad Riddle up. I really like him here. Not going to be a big bet, because obviously we took such a bloodbath of the last one, we're just trying to eke our way back. But I have that at 1.35 units, you know, to win one unit at the minus 135. I'm going to quick write that down so I can re-bring it up to you guys at the end so you have a nice easy way to see where we are going now actually i think i mixed up the start of the main card which then with the next fight but it doesn't really matter because we're still going over it zabira tukagov is fighting kevin aguilar uh tukagov is 18 4 and 1 this is at featherweight against kevin aguilar uh at different times in their career i've been fairly high on both guys uh Tukagov has that AKA connection, the Nurmagomedov Madov connection, all of that stuff. Uh, his UFC run has been what it is. Uh, he came in with the unanimous decision over Douglas uh, Andrade. He did get a finish over Ernest Chavez in the first round, but that's not saying much. That's way back at UFC Fight Night 53. For comparison, I'll break down where we're at soon, but... Um, he has a split decision win over Philip Nover in 2015, which if any of you who know uh, who Philip Nover is, in 2015 getting a split decision win over him is not the best thing in the world. Honestly, his split decision loss, although I, I remember thinking this was a clear loss, uh, <laughs> like very clear, I'm not sure how someone scored it for him, uh, against Renato Moicano uh, way back in 2016. He had two canceled bouts, then didn't fight again to the 2019 because of injuries and other things and got a split draw at the UFC 242 Khabib versus Poirier card. As said, he's Khabib's boy. So, I honestly, I, I really think this is a good spot for Aguilar because I thought, although um, Tukagov is the better grappler, I do think Kevin Aguilar will be able to get off some shots. Uh, and he, go, he goes to the body really well. And in a pick, I'm picking uh, Aguilar here. I just I, I like him as a prospect going forward. Uh, so far, his only two losses, I guess. Um, <laughs> one of them is against Leonard Garcia. 
I mean, this isn't like prime Leonard Garcia, but this is Leonard Garcia, like after he got out of major fight organizations and uh, legacy, he lost to him in the first round for via punches. But then he went on a long winning streak, even beating Rick Glenn, Ricky Brazola, and lost a decision to Dan Ige, which after seeing his recent performances, I definitely was shortchanging Dan Ige. And I believe it was even after this most recent fight, the soundbite from Dan Ige after fighting Mirsad Bektik was, I mean, Bektik's good, but he's no Kevin Aguilar who we are talking about right now. So uh, I like uh, Kevin Aguilar here. Uh, this is a pick em. It's minus 110, minus 110. So I guess depending on the way that you lean in this fight, it works either way. Um, now moving on to the next fight, we have Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Pretty sure I got that right. Yep. Okay, so this, is, this, this fight is at heavyweight, and I'm saying it that way because... Um, the, he's kind of jumped back and forth between heavyweight and light heavyweight. So since he can make light heavyweight, he might be undersized. Um, but honestly, who's stealing the show for this particular fight is Ben Sassoli. He is the New Zealand fighter who, or Aussie fighter who, had his fun with. Greg Hardy, I don't know if this is fun. He clearly, clearly lost. Um, actually, one second, quick. For main. Sorry, I'm hearing back from my co-host. Some of the scheduling might be fixed. He actually might be able to join us for the end of the show. So I'll see if I can get it where he is at least doing co-main and main with me, which is perfect because he has a bet in those N1s. It's awesome. Email. To send two. Now you're getting a little insider info right there on how we do things. Um, <laughs> kind of in the seat of our own pets at this moment. But sorry, going going back to Ben Sassoli versus Marcus Rogero de Lima. I mean, I'm not impressed with either of them in in the least bit, really. Um, Marcos De, uh, Rogerio De Lima. I need to just either start calling him De Lima or Marcos, but whatever. He's one of the few Brazilian fighters that you know of that has a terrible ground game, like I, or like at least not a good one to speak of. Uh, he actually got subbed in his last vice for Stefan Struve, so that kind of shows you where he is at. Um, I mean, Ben Sassoli did lose his fight and was and did lose the decision, but because of uh, inhaler gate and Greg Hardy taking the inhaler in between rounds, it switched to a no contest. In terms of their skills, I don't know. I'm leaning uh, Ben Sassoli. Uh, he is the underdog here, uh, plus 130 to DeLima's minus 150. So I'm leaning him more so because relatively hometown judges – and I do think he can get Delima down and get one of those hilarious heavyweight key lock or some type of submission or something like that. Just it's it's, it's not going to look too good. It's going to be uh, pretty awful in that regard. Um, now this fight's a little odd, and I'm gonna say this fight's a little odd because you had somebody who so many people were pegging to be the next champion. Uh, you like you just thought she was going to win. Um, Carolina Kovalevich. She was the total package. She was huge in KSW. She came over to the UFC. Everyone was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Joanna. She clearly lost to Joanna. Then got a first round submission loss to Claudia Gadea. So everyone's just like, okay, you know what? She's good. She's not quite to that level. So she clearly beats Jody Esquivel. She barely beats Felice Herrig. And then now she is on a three fight losing streak. I get the loss to Jessica Andrade in the first round with the with punches. Jessica Andrade is, is a little. Everyone says she's the female John Lineker just going after people, knocking them down. It's it's nuts. Now. Against Michelle Waterson, I could still even kind of get it just because her striking is a little bit more varied. It's a little bit better. But I'm sorry, when you start losing to Alexa Grasso, who has not hit any of the levels we all thought she would, and the, and we're talking about uh, Kovalevich, who has a win over Rosna Muniz, 
who was a one-time champion. She actually beat her before she was champion. It was split decision, but I mean, so she has faded fast. I don't know if it's from an extensive career. I mean, I guess she doesn't have that many fights. She's 34. I I don't know, man. I'm 12. She's only had 17 fights. I don't know how uh, long her kickboxing career was before that. I don't even know if she was a fully pro kickboxer. But she is going against Yanin Yan. Akyanin Nan. I am so sorry about the pronunciation. This is one of the, I'm going to say, Chinese invasion fighters of the couple that have really come in and done work. Um, she's 11 and 1, 11 and 1 straw weight. She's actually current rate. This is how crazy rankings are. Uh, Kovacavich is on a th- uh, three fight losing streak. She's lost uh, five in her last seven. Let me double check on that for you guys. Five of last, yeah, five of last seven, and she is ranked thirteen, and Kionan is ranked sixteen, and she is on a four-fight win streak in the UFC against. Like, I mean, Kaylin Curran, she's a decent name. Actually, she has a win over uh, So He Lim, but that was in Road FC. Um, Viviana Pereira has a little bit of a name. Zero Kondo, not so much. She has that win over Angela Hill. So I'm, I'm a little surprised about the rankings here, but uh, I'm leaning. <laughs> well, everyone's leaning. Yo, can you. I'm just going to go with Yan. <laughs> with the 11 1, uh, Yan. She is a minus 260. Favorite, yes, 260 favorite uh, against Kovacavich's plus 220. I know she is going to big be a big uh, parlay fighter for everybody. Um, I'd be a little bit hesitant in that, personally. Uh, I don't know. This just seems like one of those parlay pieces to stay away from. Uh, at least in my opinion. There's plenty of other ones on the card that actually aren't as crazy of favorites. Um, She should win. I ha- I mean, I do. I do think she should win. Uh, but, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm not going to go with it here. Just, I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, if you would bear with me, I am currently in attempts to have our my co-host join but you know what? For some reason, every once in a while, my Gmail decides it's going to do what it wants to do. And it's not even loading for me to send him the invite to join us. Like, Don't you want to hear his voice? I don't want to see his voice. Hear his voice. Get his take on the boxing that I could barely give you guys info on. I actually feel pretty bad about that. Um, and get him in here for his picks. Come on, man. Okay. Let's, we'll do this together. Okay. Did you load? Can I press that? Whatever, we're going to go on for a little bit longer while that keeps going uh, before we even move on to the co-main. Actually, I'll start the co-main because this is one of my initial leans and it actually might also end up being a bet for me. Um, Jimmy Crute is plus 115 versus... They're really coming for your boy with these names. McCall Olexjuk. Is a minus one thirty. Um, they are both coming off of their first UFC uh, losses. Jimmy Crute to Misha Sirkinov and McCall to OSP. OSP subbed McCall in the Saint Prue choke. We're officially changing it. That's what it is now. Uh, and Jimmy Crute uh, got finished after a really good start to his uh, UFC career. Actually, um, he has the finish over. Um, sorry, this still trying to send, but you know what? There we go. Okay, it's starting to work now, people. It's starting to work now, people. Everything's finally starting to come up us. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> now, if it'll just let me paste something. No, that's the next thing you're not going to let me do. Fantastic. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, we use a wonderful uh, app and series setup called Squadcast. It actually works 
really, really well. Um, it's more my computer that's a little bit iffy. Um, I do have a nice newer Apple computer Mac upstairs. For those of you who don't know, I record in a dungeon, basically. The creepy, unfinished part of my basement that um, is where I am currently. <laughs> the off, the main office that's upstairs, that one is in the most echoey center part of the home. It's not a secluded office. It's very much an open area situation. Okay, finally got it set. Your boxing thoughts. Yes, I am talking out loud as I'm typing like a good 30-something-year-old does, people. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to keep going on my thoughts on the co-main event. He is going to hop in in the next couple minutes. So you guys will get to hear Mike's voice. I know you've missed it. It's been almost it's been over a week. I mean, I know I've been missing it. It's been over a week. He's been killing it at work, so it's been crazy busy. Hope you all have been checking out his show Outmatched. It's been hilarious. Um <laughs> me and my wife have been thoroughly enjoying it. I'm really starting to if I'm not watching a show on Netflix or some or Hulu or like without something without commercials, we're really starting to lean to more towards half-hour comedies because for those of you who do not know Although, if you listen to this podcast, you should know. I usually go to bed crazy early because I get up real early for work. So I'm usually only awake for at most like an hour or so after my kids go to bed. So sometimes between putting them to bed and when I go to bed, a half-hour show makes more sense or two back-to-back. Nice, light-hearted comedies. So we're starting to get a nice little stable of them now that Outmatched has joined it. But, no, it's, it's good and fun. I love Jason, myself and Jason Biggs. And Tony Danza was in the last episode. Well, not the last episode. I haven't seen the most recent one. But... You got what I mean. Um, sorry, going back to, to Jimmy Crude. I, I realize I'm a little bit all over the place. Uh, first time doing a solo episode, you kind of get in stream of consciousness right now because I don't want you to have too much dead space. I go through the crazy thoughts in my head usually when I pass it to Mike and Mike's talking to you guys and then I can kind of like breathe and be like, hey, talk and act normal for a little bit. But that's not here right now. Um, so Jimmy Crude did well. On the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, he got a first-round KO. He actually got a submission in the third round over Paul Craig. I don't know who he paid or what type of witchcraft he did to beat Paul Craig in the third round by a submission. Because if you know anything about Paul Craig, Paul Craig is Mr. Third-Round Submission, Save My Life. And to do that to the Bear Jew, man, he's got he's got some voodoo on his side. Um, he put Sam Alvey out with punches, so he's starting to get a little bit of names on him. Uh, I actually really liked him against Mirza Serkinov. I believe I bet him there and was actually fairly shocked uh, that Serkinov was able to get him down in round one and get the submission because early on in Mirza Serkinov's career, I was super high on the guy. I loved his... He's more on the judo side than jiu-jitsu. He's been a black belt in judo for a very, very long time. Uh, and has trained at Extreme Couture for an incredibly long time. But not like Extreme Couture Vegas. Extreme Couture uh, Toronto, I believe. And he forever just never went to a big team. And he was very much robotic punching. He had power, but like robotic punching that wasn't doing much. And would still get finishes that way. And then was also really good at judo and get the submissions. And that's what happened in that last fight against uh, Jimmy Crute. Actually, if you want a good, really good interview with Jimmy Crute and you want to search for it, uh, The Score did a great one. Uh, James Lynch, if you guys don't follow him, you should. He has great fighter interviews, videos, podcasts. like and all that. And you get a lot of the info on... You're starting to get more and more on like the co-main event, main event type guys. But these guys in like the early portion of the main card tail or end of the prelims that you need to learn more about or see where their mindset's at he's a really good resource for that um i'm a little concerned about this being Kroot's first fight after a first ever loss but in general i like him a little bit more everywhere the than mccall uh Olenchuk. That's my last time trying to pronounce his last name. Unless I'm nailing it. And then you know what? You guys are welcome. <laughs> um, he had a decent... Uh, okay, I guess not amazing UFC run. Um, he got the no contest to Khalil Roundtree. And if I recall, that was he lost. And then Khalil Roundtree popped for weed. So there's that. Um, he got the first round knockout of John Vellante, which isn't saying much because, I mean, Vellante is a 
knockout or get knocked out kind of dude. It's cost me a lot of money in the past by doing that. So he's one of those fighters that we just we stay away from. Um, Gadza Murad of Antigulov. Uh, I know him more. It just says Antigulov. I usually just stick with ever first or last name. I know for sure I could pronounce. And then I just call them strictly that going forward. Uh, he had a really nice uh, uppercut and ground and pound finish over him in the first round before St. Prue subbed him in the second. But, I mean, it's anytime you see someone subbed by St. Prue, you almost can't feel bad for him. Just the way it happens. Um, the way it jumps around. And... I don't know, man. St. Prue is someone that I have never had a good read on. When I'm really, really for him, and like I'm finally convinced he stumbles in a major, major way, and the times that I am just absolutely not thinking he's going to do well at all, he pulls it off. So, and it's, no, his is the most hilarious, like, man, he's been in the UFC. He's been in the UFC since 2013, man. Whoa. I mean, I remember from Strike Force. Okay, what was his first, his first Strike Force fight? was 2010. Man. So we've been fighting at that high level, and he has just not gotten that good. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm going in the rabbit hole of OSP. His first fight ever was Rodney Wallace? I'm sorry. I'm going down the OSP rabbit hole. You never go down the OSP rabbit hole. That's not good for anyone involved. Um... Like I said, Cruit at, at any kind of plus money, I like him here. I actually do think he can get the finish. Um, I've heard a lot of people like uh, Lunchuk's chances more, um, like thinking that he's going to get the finish as well. <laughs> this is one of the light heavyweight fights that... Actually, I'm, I'm going to check for you guys what uh, doesn't go to decision is, although it's probably going to be crazy. Yeah, minus two fifteen. That's that's a lot <laughs> for something like that. I do like Crute. I'd like him inside the distance. Um, that's plus two forty seven. That's getting a little bit better. I kind of like that, but likely I will end up playing him straight. Um, one actually, one dog. I haven't. I'll break down another fight quick while uh, Mike's setting up everything. Five. Um. I well, actually, guess two fights. I don't like that, and I'm jumping all kinds of around, but I'm just trying to make up some time so Mike can get here. I don't like that Angela Hill did Joe Rogan on Tuesday, and is going straight from the recording of that podcast to take a 15-hour flight to New Zealand to fight. Uh, she's currently a minus 200 favorite. And uh, normally she does well in fights where she is going to fight someone who will stand and trade with her. And that's what Lomo will do. And I actually, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up this fight is I have a feeling that Mike has a take on it. Because uh, Lomo was one of his bets uh, earlier uh, on this podcast. Not this, this podcast, but in, in the history of this podcast, and I really wanted to hear his take on it, so I guess maybe I'll ask him that when he gets back. One dog I do really like um, that is not a bet for me yet, but keep an eye on Twitter, it may be. I really like Emil Meek. I know he hasn't fought a ton recently, but I really, really like him in this spot. I just, the times when Jake Matthews has faltered always are just so flagrant to me. And I think this is one of the times where Emil Meek is big enough and strong enough to be able to stay on the feet. And I think Matthews is going to get hit with some shots, like in a fairly major way. Like, and I know Emil Meek is 9-4 and four and all those things, but the dude can absolutely crack and I think he's going to put it on Jake Matthews at some point. Um, I'm trying to remember. I've been to, I think, two Jake Matthews fights. I'm trying to remember the first one that I was at. Was that... That wasn't UFC 126. It's been too long. He's so young. How has he been in the UFC this long? I'm trying to remember. I think... I want to say, was it, the, was it the MGM Grand or the Mandalay Bay? Hmm. 
Okay, Mike just got home. He'll be hopping on just about any second now. Let's go to his first UFC fight. 2014, so six years ago. And he's 25, so he joined at 19? Man, I don't remember him being that young. Which was the one I was at? Uh, Finale, UFC Fight Night, Romero. No, I haven't been to any in the 200s. Huh, maybe I'm misremembering, but I could have sworn I was at a fight card in Vegas that he was at. It would have been a pay-per-view. I've never, other than a UFC on Fox card, those are like Chicago ones they used to always do. I've never been to one of the fight nights. Oh, well, whatever. I want a quick breakdown down his fights, the more recent ones, especially the ones uh, at welterweight. So he has the decision win over Jingliang, everyone's favorite. Uh, Shinzo Anzai got that first round choke but then he got choked by anthony rocco martin who was always looking really good and then he got the win against rostam akman so uh, like i mean honestly it's just you go down his pretty much entire career any one overly decent he loses to <laughs> and i said overly decent i know that's an odd way of putting that but i'm like i'm sorry he has a decision loss to andrew holbrook and i'm pretty sure that's when holbrook came back from his concussion Kevin Lee, he lost to first round ground and pound. I mean, you're going to lose to Kevin Lee for first round ground and pound. He beat Johnny Case because it's Johnny Case. Oh, man, I remember the uh, Akbar Areola fight. Uh, he got the doctor stoppage in between rounds, but Akbar Areola rocked Matthews bad at one point. I think it was at the tail end of the very first round. Uh, and that was after he got the first round guillotine loss to James Fick. So I'm mean, like, he's still not done with his random first round losses i mean he has he's he's that guy man he has one two oh i guess the mark the the rock and Martin one was third round okay I, I guess i'll give that to him um yeah i, I could get a feeling about uh meek in that fight in a major way for good things about jalen turner but dude minus 220 oh my goodness Oh, I guess the Aguilar line changed slightly. Aguilar is a bigger favorite now. Not huge. It's minus 115 to minus 105. So it's no longer a pick em, But it's there. I'm actually pretty happy that um, my Magomed Mustafaev line got better to the minus 135. I like giving you guys that out good. Because usually what we do, me and Mike, veiling back the curtain while we wait for Mike to sign on, we always have a pick on either side or a couple that we really like. Apologize for the awkward cut and the awkward break. Technical difficulties abound. But you know what? Do you want to know why it was all worth it? Do you want to know why it was all worth it? Because I am joined by Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just Win. Mike, how's it going? Oh, I'm stoked to be here, man. Just went through an hour and 15 minutes of traffic, uh, through 12 hours of work just to get here to rip on the microphone with you guys and talk about a little bit of UFC. So sorry about Bob being a solo artist for a little while. I'm not going to lie, you realize how much you lean on those moments when, like, I throw it to you to kind of, like, think about what I'm going to next? I mean, there wasn't a lot of dead space, but, like, trying to do other things at the same time, it's a lot trickier when it's just it's just the one. I guess if it was just me in the future, and I know it, there's going to be a little bit more prep involved. But um, uh, <laughs> before I started rambling, uh, before the cut, uh, I... By all means, gave my two cents in the co-main event, and then I was starting to go back a little bit further. Actually, quick before I go to the main event, I know, uh, the co-main event. I know, Mike, that's what I told you I was going to go for, but there's one fight I want your – well, two fights I want your opinion on just as, like, quick picks, but one of them you can go more in on. I know you made money on that Lomo uh, Boom, and she's fighting Angela Hill. Where do you fall on that fight, like, even just for a pick? Because I'm just curious because you know Loma better than I do. Um, the Loma Lukaboom, I actually favor her versus Angela Hill. I think that Loma is a much more versatile striker, and I also think she's stronger than Angela Hill, but Angela Hill does have a little bit more experience in the octagon, so that could be a factor, but I really think that Loma is the real deal. Yeah, because I was looking at that because Loma is plus 170, which I was, I was a little surprised about. And then the other one, I want your opinion because I'm thinking of betting the dog on that side, is uh, the Emil Meek who's plus 175 versus Jake Matthews minus 210 just because Jake Matthews has a tendency to like falter and although Emil Meek has been out for a minute 
he is definitely going to be bigger and stronger enough to keep it on the feet and dude's got some power so even just paying 175 plus 175 for his power i'm debating that be a debating that being a secondary bet for me so how do you feel about that fight I actually favor Emil Meek in that. I believe that he is much more versatile on the feet and definitely stronger uh, standing. So I th- I think that Jake Matthews will falter. He definitely has little glitches in the past. He, don't get me wrong. He is a, a great-looking young man. He's a good fighter, but he definitely has little glitches here and there. He's not ready for the big time. Emil Meek, he seems to be a little bit more grounded, a little bit more, I guess, just aged as a man so i just feel like emil meek will be a little bit too much for jake matthews especially when emil meek uh can can stuff jake matthews takedown takedowns and then we're going to move on actually t- technically before we move on to the co-main event and main event i just want to uh let mike know because he wasn't here for it uh my bet for the card is uh, to win one unit on Magomed Mustafaev. He is minus 135 against Brad Riddell at the plus 115, just because uh, you weren't there for that. So, Mike, for the co-main event, Jim, Jimmy Crute is plus 115 versus Mikhail Olanchuk, who is minus 135. What's your thoughts on the co-main event here at UFC Auckland? I'm actually stoked for this fight. I'm a, I was a Jimmy Crute fan as he came up, and... Uh, uh, Lord Michael, I've been a huge fan of him myself, so I really think that Ol, uh, Ol, I can't even say his name, Michael McCall will take this fight. I believe that he is definitely better standing. He has a better ground game. He has way more experience inside of the inside of MMA. So I just I really like Michael. I think that this is his time, and they're just going to showcase him. So for the main event, I'm actually going to throw it to you first. I know you have a bet on this fight. Dan Hooker is currently a minus 150 favorite against the broadcaster Paul Felder at uh, plus 130. How are you feeling about this main event? Uh, This is going to be a great main event. I'm a big fan of both these fighters. I really like Paul Felder as a person and as an announcer. I think he's super professional, and he's also a great fighter to watch inside of the octagon. But he's super prone to injuries, and he can, even from a kick, uh, you know, he's he's prone to having a broken uh, arm. He's just just injury-prone. And I think that Hooker is just going to be definitely longer, and he's going to be able to pick... Felder apart at distance much better than Felder is going to. So Felder's going to have to get inside close, and I just don't see it happening. And also, if they got down on the ground, Dan Hooker is one of those long, lanky guys that in jiu-jitsu situations, uh, triangles, arm bars, certain things when they have you with, uh, had they have your back with a body triangle. The long guys are just they're fucking terrible to mess with, man. So. I, I really believe that Dan Hooker has everything uh, here to win this fight, so I'm going to put down 1.5 units on Dan the Hangman Hooker to do his thing here and uh, send Fel- uh, Paul Felder back to the, announce- the announcing booth. I'm with you 100% uh, on that. Actually, the Dan Hooker, I was before you said that you were thinking that was going to be your bet on this card, I was leaning that way, but I had a couple other leans that I looked more into after you said that, but I'm probably likely going to bet uh, Hooker here as well. Um, I think his striking, his all-around striking is better. I think he has more power with his striking. I don't know how this guy ever made featherweight because I think he is dramatically larger than Paul Felder and I think that will show I think he'll be able to outmuscle him and like you said with the injury prone portion of it I just think at some point Paul Felder is starting to wear down like a lot of wear and tear and obviously all of his time is split between broadcasting and fighting and getting pulled in a lot of directions whereas you have Dan Hooker there training with two UFC champions and plenty of other people there at City Kickboxing and just getting better and better. Uh, I know everyone's going to bring up the MMA math of, well, Dan Hooker lost to Barbosa and got beat up like crazy and Felder beat Barbosa. Okay, first of all, Felder lost to Barbosa the first time they fought and I thought he lost to him the second time they fought and he just you're going to look better second time you fight somebody if you learn. Like I would bet this Dan Hooker is probably would beat uh Edson Barbosa right now. That's my personal opinion. Um, I really like Hooker here. I'm with Mike on that one. And that is the main event on this. And that is Mike's bet. So quickly, before I pass it to Mike to go on the boxing route a little bit, before we call it a night, 
We have a to win one unit at Magomed Mustafaev at minus 135, and to win one unit for Dan Hooker at minus 150. So thank you for being here for MMA for Money, the show, the 23rd. Now, Mike, quick break to, to for you to talk about the bo- the big boxing match happening this weekend. It's big. It's to the point like I took my son out for dinner, just a quick like cheeseburger before uh, I took him to like his Boy Scout type deal uh, tonight and all the TVs in there I mean they're playing ESPN but all the TVs in there are showing previews for the fight and I got actually got to talk to him about it for a little bit which I kind of enjoyed that moment but well, where do you fall my, my little two cents on it earlier on um, I'm not a big boxing head uh, most of my striking leans are from the MMA side but I was leaning towards uh, Deontay Wilder mainly because I've seen him get do nothing but be better in rematches and either finishing faster or getting the finish when he didn't get it and I think all the Tyson Fury changing trainers and all that kind of stuff and from the word that he wants to get in close and maybe out muscle uh, Deontay being since he'll be the bigger guy is just going to leave him open for more shots so I went Deontay Wilder, but big disclaimer to not follow my betting advice on boxing because I don't know boxing nearly as well as you and other people. So what is your prediction and breakdown of that big heavyweight boxing fight? Well, I'm absolutely stoked for this heavyweight boxing match, and there isn't very many uh, matches that get me this fired up. But uh, Deontay Wilder, man, he throws just the craziest power punches with so much power behind it. I believe the stat is that he's knocked down or knocked out every single opponent that he's faced. And that is just an amazing stat to have behind you. I believe that, uh, I, I also, I love Tyson Fury, so don't get me wrong. He's, he's a great dude. He's got a great story. I love his mental strength. Um, this fight is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I, 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 but I truly believe that Deontay Wilder has just way too much power in his hands and that in rematches, statistically, they usually go back to the person who originally won it. So I just really believe that Deontay Wilder is going to land that big haymaker this time and really knock out Tyson Fury, and he's not going to get lucky with that 10 count. I know everyone loved it, and he came back from the dead, but that's just not the real deal, and Deontay Wilder is going to be the, the real deal and win that fight. I want to thank you all for bearing with us on this little bit different of a show. I know I did it earlier, but again, I'm going to apologize for my rambling moments <laughs> earlier on. So I guess that might be a little bit more on the comedy side than anything. So before we completely phase out and go into this, we actually have some really good fights coming up that uh, I'm looking forward to. This is a great fight card as well. There's there's actually a ton of fights this weekend. There's a Bellator, there's a Combate, um, actually two Bellator. There's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I'm pumped for the next UFC event at the end of the month just because I'm just happy that uh, Joseph Benavides is finally going to get gold, in my opinion. But, um, Mike, do you have anything to say before we sign out for the night to the fans? I just can't thank you guys enough for tuning in, subscribing, rating, reviewing. I just hope that you guys enjoy these fights this weekend because the UFC and this boxing match is going to be definitely some fun-filled events. And I just hope you guys enjoy. Barbecue with your families and just stay loving them. Well, this was our show for this week. Like Mike said, thank you for all the rate reviewing and subscribing. Maybe we'll start reading some of the reviews and giving shout-outs to the people that actually do it as both incentive and, you know what, as a thank you. So enjoy the fights this weekend, and you know what? Let's roll.